This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. I know we've been out on strike for eight months now, but don't worry, we're going to have the best bloody Christmas party we've ever had. Hey, Santa! Water! Can you hear it in the distance? Can you sense it far away? Is it old Rudolph the Reindeer? Is it Santa on his sleigh? It's heading up to East England, it's coming down the tide. Oh, it's bloody Maggie Thatcher and Michael Heseltine. So Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher, may God's love be with you.
Kia ora, theatre nerds. It's us, your friendly neighbourhood theatre podcasters. You're backstage with Mel and Mike, and we are super happy to be nerding out with you once again. Are we? What? Uh, my apologies for the repeated episode last week. Totally my bad. Oh, well, tish tosh, Mel. Tish Come on. tosh. Oh, you had a good reason. No, it was actually my mum's bad. Um, my mum's been a bit in the wars recently. She's had a bung shoulder, and she had a spell last week where yeah. she jumped. Well, she was in hospital, so I had to deal with that. But that's why we didn't go to air with a fresh episode last week. We had one right. planned, but yeah, Mel, no, you don't need to apologise for that. You've got to do what you've got to do your mum. Yeah, that's yeah. right up there with sort of being kind to animals and everything else. You know, you <laughs> yeah. look after your mum before anybody else because right. she looked after you. Yeah, and I know our friends and fans completely understand that, and they forgive and forget and move on. For the first timers in the house, those have uh, not come across us before, hello, welcome. We're based in Hamilton, New Zealand, and if you like what you hear today and want a little bit more. You know, we whet your appetite and you think, ooh, wonder what they did last time. Type Backstage with Mel and Mike into the search bar of your favourite podcast streaming app and you'll find our complete back catalogue right there. The complete lot right back to well, episode the, one? Yeah, almost, I think. Yeah, yeah, must go back about that far now. And what are we up to now, 77? 77 is today. She's a bloody long time. Weeks, yeah. It's a bloody lot of talking, mate. Yeah. 77 hours, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep it up for that long. Uh, so two weeks seems so long ago now since we were last here. Musical of the week was Pretty Woman. Oh, it was too. Uh, and we got stuck into our thoughts on putting yourself first, coincidentally, uh, and maybe saying no to a show or two or having to miss things sure, here and there. All right, yeah, but it's a, we came to the conclusion it's a good thing to do. Totally. This week we're talking about theatre bootlegs, which is a whole fascinating subject all on its own, and I'm kind of torn and two different ways over the whole subject of bootlegs because uh, I've seen them you and the rest of yeah. um, and we're all torn I think uh, for those of you who don't know what a bootleg is and I'm sure there aren't actually that many a theatre bootleg is a recording of a popular Broadway show but not just Broadway shows usually musicals not always usually with the original cast that someone has recorded illegally and posted online for fans to watch and enjoy for free you know that message you get any time a show starts saying you know, the um, photography and video recording and sound recording any kind of recording is it's illegal. strictly prohibited it's done for the right reasons because of it's copyright laws and things like that plus the people who are on stage have not given consent for that to happen that's right neither um, have the writers the right show it's multi-leveled and um, it shouldn't happen it also is really super annoying for people around you when you see somebody with their phone out or people are even looking out from on stage looking out to see someone's you can, phone you can see the glow on somebody's face of something being recorded you know. yeah I can only assume that bootlegs exist because of the prospect of experiencing Tony Award-winning shows like, I don't know, Hamilton, Wicked, that kind of thing, Yeah, has been really very limited to the original Broadway cast album, repeat viewings on YouTube of official videos, and occasionally bootleg copies. I mean, yeah. we're never going to get to Broadway in the next... 12 months oh. I've never been to Broadway ever no neither and so that's why they exist that's, it really comes back to, all down to um, accessibility I think my assumption would be that also if I'm being completely honest my obsession for musical theatre wouldn't have prevailed for as long as it has if it weren't for the existence of theatre bootlegs up until recently probably like many people my only Broadway experience or West End experience of their productions has been through viewing a crappy theatre bootleg. And it makes you feel a bit icky oh, when you do it, doesn't it? Totally. It feels icky and the quality of the show is not very good, no, but you're just that, so desperate. Yeah, you want to see it. You want to see it. We'll, we'll, we'll come to alternatives for bootlegging a bit later. But of course the filming and subsequent distribution of things like cinema recordings is totally illegal and that extends to piracy of film online as well. So mm -hmm. um, 
and you do occasionally see a, you know brand new movies come out and somebody posts something some really crappy video quality tell you what i got told off i was just doing a little instagram story when i went to see in the heights yeah. the movie recently and it was literally the final credits and i was just doing a little instagram story i'm at the movies with my girlfriend and uh, the usher told me that i wasn't allowed to film so they like they take their shit seriously yeah so they should actually watching a filmed recording of a broadway show is also piracy just in the same way that it is for cinema though mm-hmm. and it's considered by people who work on those shows as um, pretty bad manners generally anyway so we are guilty of bad manners yeah and of breaking the law because we have watched breaking, yeah. stuff that other people have done we're not the ones who made the recording but we have accessed it oh totally and i mean like it's not a crime you're going to be you're not going to go to jail for it bootlegs shouldn't exist but they do exist and we just we generally discourage them there's a host of reasons that i've discovered that the online community of fans use to justify broadway bootlegs that i thought we could talk about yeah good call first of all there are people who genuinely believe that they are doing the world a service when they illegally (laughs) perform and sell the ones but you know i'm I'm putting it out there so that people know about it (laughs) yeah bootlegs (laughs) exist for distinctly different reasons than why films are pirated but the act itself is essentially exactly the same thing Mm. films are pirated because people are either too lazy or just too stingy to pay to see the film in the cinema and they you know want to or they want to make a quick buck off the availability of when there are cinemas everywhere it's not like there's an access issue there i don't buy into that however with theater bootlegs uh, because most of the performances are localized in new york city or london it really does boil down to the whole accessibility issue it totally does uh and secondly it's because a show might be sold out and people will never get to see the show in their lifetime beyond listening to the cast albums i can liken listening to some cast albums to listening to beethoven's symphony without the last 16 bars you know, you don't mm. ju- you don't quite get the whole thing. It's not the whole picture. Or uh, listening to Puccini's opera without the final act. Spoiler: Mimi dies. People just cannot afford a trip to see a show in New York. I'd even go so far as to say most people, given that there are around six billion of us living outside the US. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. And that's before we even start talking about the fact that um, tickets to go and see shows on Broadway, you know, the top selling shows on Broadway or the West End can sell for upwards of a thousand bucks. Especially when you convert it back to New Zealand dollars, you're talking an an arm and a leg and then some. Not that I think it's a good excuse for distribution of bootlegs. uh, I don't know if there actually is a good excuse when it comes down to it. Well, that's and it's like but the two sides of the coin thing. Eh? I personally see both sides of the story. I would argue that seeing a low-quality version of the show still encourages you to want to see the real thing with your own eyes. It's not in any way a satisfactory substitute. We're not choosing to watch bootlegs because we prefer to do that. I would also argue that the low quality of a bootleg recording also makes me want to buy the published script, which I've see, done. Or, or you want to see something better, like an official video. That's right. And I'm happy professionally. And I'm happy to pay the money to support the artists. It's yeah. not about the money for me in this instance. It's literally about the physical distance between me living in New Zealand yep. and them performing their shows in New York. Um, they do think about that too um, and Hamilton's a case in point we'll talk about that in a minute that's right there are shows like The Great Comet or The Lion King or Jesus Christ Superstar where it's presented also in an arena stage so we're talking about mass audiences here Yeah. even if you got to one of those shows with an affordable ticket which places you right up in the gods yep. an online bootleg might be the only way that you're actually going to be able to see the actors faces and not just the sort of uh, you know postage stamp version of the stage way down in the distance that's something I thought about a lot when I was watching King. We paid my partner paid the big bucks yeah, and we you got were, good you seats. Were up close and, yeah, but 
I can't even imagine. They were at least 500 metres away from me, at least. Like, So what do you see? What do you see? They did have oh, big screens. Did. Yeah, okay. they did have big screens. For me, that, then for you, me, that you might as well purpose. be at home watching it on TV. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm all for illegal bootleggers because, again, I totally see the side of the coin where there's a butt ton of hard work going into these live performances. We've mentioned Hamilton already. Lin Manuel Miranda is famous for his anti stance on bootlegging and bootlegs, which is how I think it came about that the archive recording of Hamilton was edited, sold to a bigger market. There was demand. And he recognised the demand, which I think is good. Maybe that's a turning point for you know shows I of that calibre and that size that yeah. they may look at this as being another another bite of the cherry, if you like. Well, and it might have been COVID that did it, but there was a market even before COVID. Yeah, there was definitely. Lin Manuel is actually quoted as uh, posting on Tumblr. Uh, he said, "We're going to make a really good recording of this show this summer, and I want you to hear that. I'm thrilled you haven't heard a shitty half iPhone recorded version yet." because I spent six years writing this, and when you hear it, I want you to hear what I intended. And that is a perfectly valid point to make. Totally, and I feel similarly as an artist myself, which brings up a point I think it is important to discuss. If more Broadway shows with their Broadway budgets were accessible in the same way that Hamilton and even the National Theatre Live um, recordings that yes. they put out, yep. that they've become accessible, I'd pay reasonable money to see every single one. And I'd bet money I wouldn't be the only one. You know, when Newsies was professionally recorded, I paid to see it at the movies. Same with War Horse. The 25th anniversary edition of Phantom, I bought the DVD. Same with the Tim Minchin production of Jesus Christ Superstar. And when Hamilton was released, I paid for the Disney Plus subscription. So, again, I say it again. I don't think it's because theatre fans want to rip off Broadway artists. They just want to get in on the phone. Yeah, they want to see what's happening. And they, they really and they do. Want to, they want to soak it all up. And people will pay you know, a reasonable entrance fee, if you like, totally. to get access. Yeah. And don't get us wrong, what makes theatres very special for all of us is that each show is totally unique performance. Yeah. You know, you're never going to see that moment again. Yeah. Each night is a performance that will never again be repeated exactly the same way. And another great Lin-Manuel Miranda quote is this. He said, I'm sorry theatre only exists in one place at a time, but that is also its magic. A bootleg cannot capture it, and I'm grateful and glad you want to hear it, and I want you to hear it right, in big capital letters. I ask your patience. That was when he was referring to the video coming yeah. uh, and that they were working on it. He was giving assurances to fans that they will get to see what he intended. Well, that's, and I think it's a huge honour that so many people want to experience your work. Oh, um, yeah. I, I just think... If people want it, give it to them and give them the opportunity to access it freely. Well, not not, not freely, not but literally freely. No, but, but like, yeah, yeah. Although that would be a nice thing to do, you know, come up with <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. A, a full professional uh, uh, recording that you make available, <laughs> yeah. no no cost. But um, yeah, you're right. With the big budgets they have, they could they could work this into their production quite easily. Totally, and when they already make the archive recordings, they because it's for archival yeah. reasons. Yeah, they do. That's you know? a good point too. Which only strengthens the argument for releasing the film versions of these stage productions. I, alongside my theatre nerd friends like you, Mike, would gladly pay to watch a professional filmed version in a cinema over a bootleg recording on my laptop. Totally. And given that most shows on Broadway record an archive video, as Mel just said, releasing that pro footage only helps to expand the fan base, publicise the show, draw attention to its quality, and promote sales of the soundtrack and everything else that goes with it. Well, and I'll tell you what, that recording of Hamilton that I've seen live on Disney Plus, it lots of people have. It's not quite the same as being in the room where it happens, but 
it's pretty damn close. So for those who can, they still will buy tickets to see the show, won't they? 100%. I'm considering still going to Australia, potentially, COVID allowing, to catch the Melbourne, or was it Sydney, the, the Australian production of Hamilton. That's how badly I want to see it. So <laughs> having watched it on Disney+, Plus doesn't change the fact that I want to see it no, live. It's enhanced your, your expectations and your enjoyment. 100%. Yeah. Fans who love the show will come to see it in person whenever possible. And after all, theatre nerds are a particularly special breed. They <laughs> idolise these works so much that they're willing to try and watch something blurry, shot on an iPhone, hidden behind a jacket just to get a taste. Yeah, that's, that's what we want. We're special. <laughs> we, we can and we do spend hours listening to the soundtracks over and over again to uh, try to imagine the performance. And I know that you know, as a kid listening to all the soundtrack LPs at my mum and dad had I could only imagine what the scenarios were when those songs were being sung and, yeah. and everything that happened in my head was actually quite different from what I eventually saw yeah, yeah. but you know it doesn't matter we know it's not the same experience as actually seeing it in front of you though and the actors certainly deserve the admiration that they receive but um, you know pre-recording shows can give more, much more appreciation for things like set designers choreographers the people mm. who put all that work into bringing the imagery to life and the, the light design the sound technicians the orchestration all of that sort of stuff you really do get a deeper appreciation of it when you see it in context and see everything happening and if it's shot properly recorded properly you get the best possible experience and hell shelling out a few bucks to see that that's nothing high quality recordings can display the extent of these people's work and present it as they intended it to be seen which harks back to what Lin-Manuel Miranda said about the integrity of the work that's right are bootlegs illegal yes are fans going to stop making sharing and watching them simply because people tweet bootlegs are bad don't do it pay for it you're killing broadway no the answer is not to shame or demonize those who watch the bootlegs that's basically saying i don't care that you're poor having the same argument every couple of years doesn't get us anywhere and isn't getting us anywhere no one watches a bootleg video with the terrible resolution and decides after (laughs) that that they don't have to see the show live anymore because the bootleg was just so fantastic (laughs) i would probably agree that bootlegs just make you want to see a show live even more than you did before 100% agree Uh, but they are illegal and the performers did not consent to being filmed nor did the creative team and having their work out in the world in this way on top of all of that having your phone out during a performance is rude so how do we cut down on bootlegs and stop demonising fans who watch them make theatre accessible yep we would love to know uh, what your thoughts are on this subject though, and the whole subject of Broadway bootlegs or even bootleg copies of shows that are done locally totally I've seen that happen too yep. I know that many of you must have indulged in some point and I would argue probably the majority of people have seen at least a sample of some bootleg copy of something at some point yep. or if you are vehemently against them we would love to know that too so share your opinion with us and we will reflect that we will talk about it and include it in discussions in the future hmm. morning girl Come on, get a move on. Oi, Rocky, bugger off. Music maestro, please. Arms. She's a rivaled cow. Hey, that's me, ma. Oh, please. Your mum? Yeah. And up. You're crap at that. No, ma. And second, miss. Here, stick this over there, will you? Tommy's in. Tracy, you're gonna end up like your mother. I'm balanced. Miss the keys. Two and three and four knees. Who the hell are you? Billy. And second. Billy, are you? Oh, pleased to meet you. I'm Margot. 
Marble flipping fountain. It was a rhetorical question. Now piss off over there. Healy Gibson, how many times have I got to tell you? But miss! I don't care if your mother has got cerebral palsy, Keely. You have to bring your shoes. Go home and get them. Right, grades one, two and three to the front. Outside, Sharon, our lives are lonely and sad. But in here, we sparkle. Try to keep your arm in line. Come on, at least pretend you're doing fine. Don't forget the golden rule, girls. Never hide your light under a bushel. No matter how big the bushel, Tracy Atkinson. You can wow them every time. Even you, Susan Parks. All you have to do is shine. Jetties, that's it, girls. So our tortured little lives are transformed by the power of art. Forget about content. Oi, you. Focus on the style. Steal an inch on them And they'll give you a mile Share Everybody ready for the big number? We've only got another seven and a half months to rehearse this, so for Christ's sakes, concentrate. It doesn't matter if you're large or small, trapezoid or short or tall. Even if you can't dance at all, all you really have to do is shine. It doesn't matter if your life's a mess, the whole process will coalesce. Girls, just try to live the best All you really have to do is shine Give them the old razzle-dazzle Turn on the old pizzazz Miss the case. There won't be time to shilly-shally Give it back or give it when All the mobiles are up Show them what life is all about Give them the old razzle-dazzle And shine Go on, join in, I dare you. It doesn't matter if you're unemployed, only partially humanoid. An octopoid whose minds are void, all you really have to do is shine. Come on, Debbie, it's a big moment. No. It doesn't matter if you're special needs, maimed or lame or born in Leeds. They love to see your heart that bleeds, all you really have to do is shine. Shilly shally, give it back and give it when you're over, not about. Oh, what life is all about. Give it the old razzle dazzle and shine. You might be feeling lousy, you might be feeling blue, a little apprehensive. A minor touch of flu They couldn't give a monkey's cuss They couldn't give a fig Come on, son, get over it It's all part of the gig Smoke, Mr. Br- 
Backstage with Mel and Mike. Musical of the week is the one and only Billy Elliot that was Shine from the original Broadway production. Before Mike tells us anything about that show, though, let's take a look through the calendar. What's coming up around the place soonish? I'm glad you asked. At the Meteor, Back to Square One, written and directed and performed by Anders Falsti Jensen for the Rebel Alliance, is on from the 13th to the 15th. Car Shoe by Linda Chanwai Earl is on from the 17th to the 19th of this month. Assassins, presented by Bold Theatre, directed by Kyle Chuan, is opening on the 27th and running till September the 4th. <laughs> and Boil Up, the first round of projects are in rehearsal. Ooh, they go to stage beginning at the end of this month. Clarence Street Theatre have Fame Junior presented by Bravo Theatre Company coming up. That's on from the 23rd to the 25th of September. Riverley Theatre, Hamilton Musical Theatre are rehearsing Mamma Mia at the moment. That's on stage in October. And also in rehearsals for the annual Riverley Theatre Christmas show, Back to the 80s, that is opening in November. Over in Navarra Lounge, they have their open mic night tonight and every Wednesday. On Friday, they have Freestyle Fridays, August 13th, and Metal Rock Metal on August 14th. Morrinsville Theatre are rehearsing their version of All Together Now. That's on stage in November. Tiaroha Little Theatre are in rehearsal for Death and Taxes by April Phillips. That's on from the 9th to the 18th of September. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge are rehearsing Aladdin, a pantomime, which is hitting the stage in November. Matamata Dramatic Society have The Improvables, one night only, Thursday the 12th of August, that's tomorrow. And Matamata Musical Theatre are in rehearsal for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which goes to stage in November. Patararu Theatre Players have Exit Laughing by Paul Elliott, that is running from the 12th. And they're in rehearsal for their Christmas production, Moonshine, which is hitting the stage in November. Tokoroa Little Theatre, new one for the list. They're in rehearsal for No Regrets, the musical that's written and directed by Sonia Winnikiri on stage in November as well. Thames Music and Drama are rehearsing all together now. That will, uh, like Morrinsville, be hitting the stage in November. Over in Rotorua, their musical theatre is in rehearsal for Spamalot. That goes to stage August 20th to September the 4th. Let's go to Tauranga. Tauranga Musical Theatre have rehearsals for Les Mis in full flight at the moment. They hit the stage next month. And all together now for them is also on stage in November. 16th Avenue Theatre have The Revlon Girl on stage in October. That's directed by Geraldine Broderick, so they're rehearsing at the moment. And Detour Theatre, Sherlock Holmes' The Adventure of the Speckled Band opens September the 9th, runs to the 25th. Onifero Society of Performing Arts, The Jailhouse Frocks by Devin Williamson is coming up 17th to the 25th of September. And wrapping things up, Auckland Theatre Company, Things That Matter by Gary Henderson, adapted from the memoir by David Geller, is opening on the 17th of August, running to the 29th. And The Haka Party Incident by Katie Wolfe returns by popular demand. That'll be on stage again in October. 
By way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, auditions are coming up for HMT's summer Broadway junior season of Beauty and the Beast Junior. You must be under the age of 18, I believe. Check out the Hamilton Musical Theatre Facebook page for information on how to book your audition. And auditions are also coming up for Rotorua Musical Theatre's Christmas season of Streaking Through the 70s. Check out their Facebook page if you'd like more information and an opportunity to get into that. As always, get in touch if you want to add something to the list. You can email backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or if you see us around the place, let us know that you've got something coming up and we'll feature it on the list. Mike, I know you haven't seen anything around the place lately, so I won't ask you what you've seen because you're so tied up with assassins. Have you got any updates for us? Just as we speak, you know, we're, what is it, two weeks and two days from opening? Mm-hmm. Um, so at that really interesting stage of, of rehearsals now, we're desperately trying to remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> and wondering when the muscle memory is going to kick in for all of the complicated music and the, um, and the movements that you're doing and so on. This has been a really short rehearsal period for a major musical. Yeah, I've got to say that from the outset. But Kyle's vision for what we're going to do is so detailed and so complete, and he's got such a great way of presenting it all that um, you know we're working really hard to try to get there um, and those of us who are a bit longer in the tooth um, it's probably only me <laughs> sometimes <laughs> looking at things and thinking well uh, there's a lot to take in but hard work also the patience of my fellow actors around me and in and, and every and mm. every scene that we've got to do that you know there's there's quite a lot to bring together I was just going to say you've got a great cast we all seem to be on stage most of the time too yeah. which it seems like it's a, it's a real ensemble piece yeah and I'm, I'm really loving it as much as sometimes music is complicated and takes a lot of work to get on top of Nick Bray is just so good with it he's so patient he also understands you know the complexities of what we're dealing with mm. for some of us who, who don't read music it's, it's a real challenge yeah but we, yeah I'm, I'm feeling like we're in a good space and two weeks or so out from opening I think um, we're at the point now where we can really run it and run it and run it yeah, and just start building up, as I said, that muscle memory, make it work. Cool. I'm excited. It's going to be a great show. Well, it's starting to sell out, so if you want to see it, book your tickets right now. Yeah, but you've been out, seen anything? No, oh, <laughs> not in the last, not in the last two weeks. I've sort of just been keeping my head down, working hard on the couple of projects that I am uh, involved with still. But you got a lot to look forward to. I do yeah. have a lot to look. this list that we've just looked at has been meaty. There's yeah. a lot coming up around the place, so I will definitely be catching a multitude of things over Once the coming months. Once I take months. my break after Assassins is finished, I'm looking forward to finishing the year just by being an audience member. Yeah, bring your mates to come see Back to the 80s. Have yeah, dinner. Absolutely. What's this? It's a letter. I can see it's a letter. And open it if you want. Thank God for that, the suspense was killing me. It's from me, mum. Your mum? She wrote it for us when I was 18. Except I couldn't wait. I see. You can read it if you want. Read it out. Dear Billy, I must seem a distant memory. Which is? Which is probably a good thing. And it will have been a long... A long time. And I will have missed you growing And I'll have missed you crying And I'll have missed you laugh Missed your stomping and your shouting
always be proud to have known you. Proud that you were mine. Proud in everything. And you must promise me this. Being a very special woman. No, she was just me, ma'am. That was the letter from Musical of the Week, Billy Elliot, musically written by Elton John, adapted from the movie featuring Jamie Bell. Mike was pretty excited to have discovered this in amongst the musicals that we haven't yeah, gotten to yet. So it might be just about time to let you take it away. And that, that song in particular, the letter, is so touching because it's you know the letter from Billy's uh, deceased mother yeah. encouraging him to be whatever he wants to be in life. And yeah. that, such a great sentiment and, and so well written too by yeah. Elton John. But I was going to say, before launching into the the meat of Billy Elliot um, that I was scouting around looking for the right show for this week as you know and you find some strange stuff when you start looking specifically for UK musicals because oh. I really wanted to do something that wasn't Broadway oh okay cool or, or that didn't start on Broadway so I thought oh okay I'll browse around all the UK musicals I can find whoa I have to say that there are a lot of shows that have been published, tried out, given a whirl over the years. Some have disappeared without a trace, right, probably right. for good reason. That's a good thing that there's so much to look at, though, because it means that there's a, a lot of people out there doing the mahi, getting the songs and the shows out there to try them out. Trying things, the things out, that yeah. don't work, they get shelved, and the things that do work, they go on. Because from all of that, you, get, you do get the big successes that we've all come to know and love, and yeah. there are lots of others as well, though. For instance, there seems to be no end of tribute shows to choose from, I discovered. <laughs> I mean, you know, those that are built around the need to pay homage to cultural icons, not always British themselves, by the way. Uh, for example, there's Buddy, the Buddy Holly story, mm-hmm. which has been highly successful. Was that a UK show, was it? Was it was a UK show. Also, Elvis, um, just Elvis, Cliff, the musical. Never Cliff heard Richard. of it. Yeah. My mum loves <laughs> right. Cliff Richard. Maybe I should do that. There's Scylla. 
I, I love these one-word shows, you know, Cliff. Yeah, they're big so, enough stars. Scylla Black, obviously. Dusty, the Dusty Springfield musical, which I think sounds really quite interesting. I might look at that one. I Dreamed a Dream, the Susan Boyle story. Oh, yes. <laughs> and in no way connected to that, there's I Can't Sing, a comedy based on the X Factor TV series. Right. Sounds there's awesome. There's also a Willie Russell music. He wrote uh, Blood Brothers. Yeah. There's also one that he wrote called John, Paul, George, Ringo, dot, 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 and Bert. Who's Bert? Yeah, who knows? There's been no <laughs> shortage of weird and wonderful subjects which have inspired British composers and playwrights over the years too, including uh, The Game of Cricket. It was a short musical inspired by the game that was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber at the time of one, of one of Queen Elizabeth's birthdays. <laughs> and popular ideas like Only Fools and Horses, the musical. Who oh, okay. knew that there was a musical? No, I didn't. And I can't forget to mention Tony, the Blair musical, a satirical comedy which follows the premiership of former British Prime Minister Tony Blair from his landslide election in 1997 through to his resignation 10 years later. And oddly, there's also Blair on Broadway covering much the same subject matter. So two separate musicals done about Tony Blair. Oh, Weird. God. But none of that is what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Billy Elliot, the musical. It's kind of speaking. diamond, diamond in amongst the shit. <laughs> It is, broadly speaking, a coming-of-age musical based on the film of the same name from 2000. The music, as you said, by Elton John. The book and lyrics are by Lee Hall, who wrote the film's screenplay. Yep. The story revolves around 11-year-old Billy, a motherless British boy who begins taking ballet lessons, and the story of his personal struggle and fulfilment are balanced against the counter-story of family and community strife caused by the 1984-85 UK miners' strike in County Durham in northeast England. Now, Hall's screenplay was inspired in part by A.J. Cronin's 1935 novel about a miners' strike uh, that was called The Stars Look Down, to which the musical's opening song, which has that title, pays homage. The musical premiered in the West End in Victoria Palace Theatre, opening in previews at the end of March of 2005, and officially on the 11th of May 2005, the full run started. And it closed in early April of 2016, when the theatre closed for a refurbishment and it had clocked up by that stage 4,600 performances. Wow. Yeah, the plot. There are two main storylines here. The first is the community in which the vast majority of adult males work, which is in the coal industry, uh, suffering through the major strike to protest Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's attempts to break the then-powerful coal miners' union. And Billy's family, consisting of father Jackie, older brother Tony and grandma, are severely affected by the tensions this causes because both Jackie and Tony are minors. And the second storyline is about Billy himself, and this is arguably the one that you should focus on. Mm. But the societal influences are there and they form part of his experience, so you can't separate the two. Basically, it maintains that the society expectations at the time maintained that, uh, you know, boys should be macho. So being tough, being able to defend yourself is pretty basic to getting by. So Billy, like his father and brother before him, is enrolled into boxing classes at the Miners' Welfare Hall, which also coincidentally houses the dance lessons at Mrs. Wilkinson. Mm -hmm. Billy really doesn't like the boxing classes. One day at the end of boxing lessons, uh, Billy is asked to pass the keys on to the hall to Mrs. Wilkinson, who will be conducting her dance class next. When she and the girls arrive, Billy gets drawn into the lesson as he keeps trying to give Mrs. Wilkinson the keys as instructed. He sort of likes what he finds himself doing and gradually gets taken in by dance, especially after Mrs. Wilkinson recognises his raw talent and begins encouraging him. So instead of going to boxing, Billy starts secretly using the weekly boxing fee that his dad gives him to enrol in the dance classes. Mm. 
After a time, Billy's dad discovers what he's doing. He angrily barges into the dance class, declares that no son of his is going to be a poof, and pulls him out of the class. Mrs Wilkinson, who's pretty gutsy, seeing the potential that Billy has as a dancer, works it out with Billy that she will secretly give him lessons with the goal that he'll eventually try out for the Royal Ballet School. In the end, she convinces Billy's dad of his awesome talent and he agrees to take Billy to audition for the RBS. And Later, after being accepted into the school, the story becomes very emotional as Billy leaves the community that's become very supportive of him mm. to attend the Royal Ballet School. And the school will provide him with a way to break out of the depressing mode of trying to earn a living in a community supported by an industry which is very definitely on the decline. That's it in a nutshell. The show's reported cost of uh, 5.5 million pounds at the time to produce uh, the show uh, compare that to the budget of the actual film itself which cost just almost exactly 5 million pounds so it cost 10% more to put on the stage show than to make the That's film. That's fairly meagre in the grand scheme of, of Yeah we're talking about 2005 budget, so. though so you know that's 15, 16 years ago now. Mm. The producers were working title films, Old Vic Productions and David Furnish who is of course Elton John's husband. Oh right. It was directed by Stephen Daldry and choreographed by Peter Darling as was the original film. Liam Mower, James Lomas and George Maguire were the original actors who alternated in the title role and the supporting cast included Hayden Gwynn as Mrs Wilkinson, Tim Healy as Billy's father, he was one of the actors from Alfita Saint Pet and uh, Stephanie Putson as Billy's mother. The musical received favourable reviews. The Daily Telegraph's Charles Spencer called it, quote, the greatest British musical I've ever seen. Oh. It won four Laurence Olivier Awards, Best New Musical, Best Actor, awarded jointly to all the boys who played Billy, Best Sound and Best Choreographer. It also won the Evening Standard Theatre Award as well as the Critics Circle Award and the Theatre Goers' Choice Award, all for Best Musical. The original cast album was released on the 10th of January 2006, on the 12th of May 2006, the three original Billies appeared together in a performance of the musical to celebrate its first anniversary, and the three rotated the role during the performance, and they were joined at the end by Elton John. Oh, cool. In 2013, the show won another Olivia Award, the BBC Radio 2 Audience Award, voted for by theatregoers after many years of being finalists for that particular award as mm. well. Interestingly, after Margaret Thatcher died in 2013, and this is some years after the actual strikes of 84, 85, yeah. she was so, I won't say hated, because that's probably not, 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 being, not being very nice, but she was not, not a favourite amongst a lot of people in the working class in the UK. Mm. Uh, when she died in 2013, according to director Stephen Daltrey, the audience were given the choice to decide whether the song Merry Christmas, Maggie Thatcher, which we opened the show with today, would be included in the performance that day, since the lyrics include the sentence, we all celebrate today because it's one day closer to your death. Oof. As only three audience members voted against it, the performance went ahead as usual. Wow. On the 3rd of July 2015, 12-year-old Nat Sweeney from Birmingham became the 41st actor to play the role of Billy, making him the 100th to play the role worldwide. Its UK success led to productions in Australia, on Broadway, and numerous other countries. In New York, it won 10 Tony Awards and 10 Drama Desk Awards, inclu yeah, including, in each case, Best Musical. It also won numerous awards in Australia, including a record-tying seven Helpman Awards. Billy Youth Theatre was a countrywide scheme in which participating schools and youth groups were given the opportunity to stage their own production of the musical. Cool. Billy Elliot writer Lee Hall, together with Martin Koch, 
musical supervision and orchestrations, adapted their original script and orchestrations to produce a shortened version of the show exclusively for groups staging local productions as part of Billy Youth Theatre. Cool, I like that. The original Australian tour opened at Sydney's Capitol Theatre in November 2007, directed by Daughtry once again in association with Juliet Webber, and again choreographed by Darling. The production earned good notices, and in January 2008 it won the Best Musical Award at the 2008 Sydney Theatre Awards. And as I mentioned, the show also won seven Helpman Awards, including awards for Best Musical, Best Direction, Best Choreography, Best Female Actor, who was Genevieve Lemon as Mrs Wilkinson, and Best Male Actor, awarded jointly to the four boys, in this case, who played Billy Elliot. The production ended in Sydney on the 9th of November 2008 with all eight Sydney Billies. Yeah. And the finale. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I love that. The Sydney production transferred to Melbourne's Her Majesty's Theatre, opening on the 13th of December 2008, and that production closed on the 14th of June 2009. There was a 10th anniversary Australian tour in 2019. The critically acclaimed production opened at Sydney's Lyric Theatre in October, then transferred to Adelaide and Melbourne, where it closed in April of 2020. Early in the season, on the 28th of November, Elton John watched the show from a private box. Oh. And he surprised the cast and audience by participating in the final bows. Oh, cool. The show closed just over a month early in Melbourne on the 16th of March last year, thanks to audience restrictions due to COVID-19. Sure. Looking at the Broadway production, it opened at the Imperial Theatre on the 1st of October in 2008 in previews and officially uh, began its run in November. The London Productions creative team directed and designed the Broadway production. The title role was rotated among three young actors, David Alvarez, Carol Coolish and Trent Kowalik, the last of whom had previously played the role in London. The supporting cast again included Hayden Gwynn reprising her role of Mrs Wilkinson from the London production and Gregory Jabara as Billy's dad. The production received rave reviews yet again. Time called it a triumph. Critic Liz Smith termed it breathtakingly brilliant and absolutely unequivocally awesome. The Daily News said it was so exhilarating that at times you felt like leaping the New York Post said it was almost like being in love and termed it amusing, perfect and passionate and the best show you will ever see. Hmm. The Los Angeles Times called it a global theatrical phenomenon. They're running out of adjectives. Importantly, <laughs> it's also been very financially successful with $20 million taken in advance ticket sales and the production received Oof. 15 Tony Award nominations tying with the producers for the most nominations ever received by a Broadway show. Really? And as I mentioned before, it won 10 of them. The original three boys in the lead role jointly won a Tony Award for Best Leading Actor in a Musical. The production sold strongly and recouped its original investment of $18 million in just 14 months. Oof. The Broadway production closed on the 8th of January 2012 following 40 previews and 1,312 regular performances. There have been lots of other productions with seasons and tours around the world too. Let me just take you on a quick tour. The first non-English version opened in Seoul, South Korea in August of 2010. It's also popped up in Norway, the Netherlands, Denmark, Estonia, Italy, Sweden, Israel and Hungary. Uh And the first American non-professional production of Billy Elliot was staged in May 2016 at the Grand Street Theatre in Helena, Montana. The show earned a lot of cred for two key social-slash-cultural reasons in its empowering promotion of the subversion of traditional gender roles, 
promoting acceptance and open-mindedness, both implicitly in the show's decision to represent drag and the challenging of traditional masculinity in a positive light, and explicitly in the show's lyrics and repeated core message of the value of, quote, expressing yourself and embracing one's individuality. Mm. And good on them. Billy's subversion of traditional masculine gender performativity, is that even a word? That's what I wrote down. Performativity. Yeah. We'll take it. We'll take it. It's highlighted against the contrast of Durham's extremely masculine working class society, and I guess it's that juxtaposition that really makes it work. With this focus, Billy Elliot has the position of being the first mainstream British entertainment to directly interrogate homophobic prejudice as a function of patriarchal society. Cool. With the impact of its empowering message of acceptance, entering public discourse and education campaigns thanks to the prominence and financial success of the show. So it's had a positive flow-on effect for mm. others. It's also notable for its focus on empowering the working class as homophobic and as you know, masculine-driven as it was. Mm. With the social context of the 84-85 minus strike, Billy Elliot's personal struggle to continue dancing is contrasted very powerfully to choreographed violence due to the strike. The repetition of Solidarity Forever is an empowering musical motif to represent the perceived power of the miners' union. The message of strength and unity is assisted by emotive and colloquial lyrics as the empowered everyday working men fight ardently against the British government. But the eventual fall of the workers' strike suggests that class differences are inevitable, yet there remains an illusion to strength despite this loss of power. Ultimately, Billy's passion for dance remains empowering enough to allow his movement to a middle-class education. He escapes. But there's so Leaves much that's there. brought forward about uh, class struggle and everything else that we've talked about with regard mm. to the show there. And I think uh, probably that's where I should say that uh, that's all he had to say about that. Well, you know what? I think that may have been the kick I need to go and give, because I, like I said, I've never been remotely interested. Didn't see it when it was here. Uh, but these are all subjects that actually mean a great deal to me. So yeah. uh might have to go and find a bootleg recording. <laughs> just suggest, that, that seems to be what your option might be from here. <laughs> I'm not aware of anybody in New Zealand actually staging it. And I th- I'm probably sure. the, the tipping point would have to be finding, you know, at least oh, two guys not? that could share that role. I know they did a kids show. Was it Billy Elliot or maybe it was Annie? Maybe, it, oh, I think it might have been Annie. ATC did it a few years ago. I think it was Annie, not Billy Elliot. So it's still time ATC. You can still do it. You can still find one of those, <laughs> a few of those prodigy young, young men. And I didn't know it was a Elton John masterpiece. So yeah, there you well, go. David Furnish was the one who said to Elton, "Hey, you know, we we should get together on this." Yeah, um, didn't even cool. had no idea. So I'm gonna be going and saving that to my Spotify and list. That this afternoon. I feel like all of my um, endless rambling there has been justified and worth it. Hundred percent. I don't think I'll be the only one. That was thrilling. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, Mike. Oh, you're most welcome. And it is that time again. We are just about done with our rantings for another week. Our rantings, indeed. <laughs> Consider this your last reminder for today. To please get in touch with Creative Waikato if you or your arts project could use their assistance. Remember that funding opportunity is still open for a wee bit longer. It is, isn't it? Uh, don't also forget to catch Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you get them. And head on over to Instagram and find Backstage Podcast NZ, where I will be sharing today's episode plus Musical of the Week on our story. I've been Mel, he's been Mike, You've been backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds. And today we're going to leave you with Electricity, fantabulous song from our musical of the week, Billy Elliot. See you. Can I just ask you, Billy, what does it feel like when you're dancing? 
I can't really explain it. I haven't got the words. It's a feeling that you can't control. I suppose it's like forgetting, losing who you are. But at the same time, something makes you whole. It's like the bears music playing in your ear, and I'm listening and I'm listening, and then I disappear, and then I feel a change, like a fire deep inside. Something burst in me wide open, impossible to hide, and suddenly I'm flying, flying like a bird. Like electricity, electricity, sparks inside of me, and I'm free. I'm free. It's a bit like being angry. It's a bit like being scared, confused and all mixed up and mad as hell. It's like when you've been crying and you're empty and you're full, but I don't know what it is. It's hard to tell. It's like that there's music playing in your ear, but the music is impossible, impossible to hear. But then I'm feeling move me like a burning deep inside. Something burst in me wide open, possible to hide, and suddenly I'm flying, flying like a bird, like electricity, electricity, sparks inside me.
and you're full But I don't know what it is It's hard to tell It's like there's music playing in the ear But the music is impossible Impossible to hear But then I feel it move me Like a burning deep inside Something bursting in me Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.